friends, what we are going to find today is we are going to be talking about trials. We're going to be talking about temptations, testing, difficult things in life. And as we live out our life and as we begin this sermon series on a living faith, a faith that we're going to live out, we have to ask the question, what is life about? What is the whole point? And I think for a lot of us in America, we think the point of life is to be comfortable. That is our whole goal. A friend of mine uh, felt like, uh, he, he said, you know what my goal is every day? Is to find, find a place to sit or lay down. Right? It's like, like everywhere, it's like you're walking, you're like, oh my gosh, when can I sit? You know? <laughs> like you, you, you can't wait to get home after work so you can find a comfy chair to sit in or to lay down on your couch. Right? Is that the point of life? And what's funny is that so many people are working so hard to be comfortable. Um, this is one of the, the real uh, uh, kind of uh, puzzles of life. Um, one of the sort of ironies of life. There are many people who have been shaped by hardship when they were younger. Right? And, and so some of these people, uh, because of kind of their upbringing, they learned to work really hard or they learned um, how to, 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 to persevere through trials and difficulties. And some of these people became very, very successful. You know, they maybe earned a lot of money and those kinds of things. And they're like, oh my gosh, I want to, you know, build this life for my family so they don't have to struggle the way that I did. And so some of these people, when they become very successful and they have these kids that grow up in a very comfortable home, they're like, huh, but wait a minute. What made me who I was who, and what made me quote unquote successful was all the hardship. And now I have kids that are growing up without hardship, right? And, and we, we have these things that we say about sometimes people, not always, but sometimes we say that people who grow up in this kind of environment, they're spoiled, or entitled, right? Maybe they, they're not as driven because they already have all this comfort and they're like, oh, well, it's going to take it easy kind of thing. And so when you would ask people, what is the most formative experience? What is the most important thing that ever happened to you? Many of us would probably name a hardship. And if I were to ask you, if I could just snap my fingers and take that hardship from you, would you let me? If, if we could just go in a time machine, get rid of that hardship that so formed you, you'd probably say, no, there's no way. That was so important for me, right? And yet, friends, I say this, and, uh, you know, we have these, these, these sayings that we talk about, no pain, no gain, right? When you go to the gym, right? These things are going to be uncomfortable. We know, we know this. Discomfort is necessary for growth. And yet, the tension is that what our hearts want, what we desire, is comfort. Anything that makes you discomfort, your brain will conspire to try to rationalize that thing. Right? Try to figure out a way for you not to go through that discomfort. That is what your brain is designed to do. Right? Uh, So, you know, any moment you hesitate, to do something, that hesitation in and of itself, your brain interprets as discomfort. For example, <laughs> when I was uh, trying to go to the gym every day, now uh, we bought a treadmill and we have like a little gym in our basement. I have less excuses now. 
But when I had to actually, you know, get out of my house, pack up my stuff, and go to the gym, uh, I mean, it's so funny the, the kinds of things I would do to stall this. Even the other day, I was about to go down and work out, and my wife was making fun of me because I think she went out and did some gardening work, and I was like getting my stuff ready to go down to the basement, and then she came back in, and I was still getting my stuff ready, and she was like laughing. She was like, I think your pre-workout routine is longer than your actual workout, right? It's like, oh, I need a towel. I need ice water. Oh, what else do I need? Oh, I need to stretch. Or, oh, like I need my earphones, right? And we find all these excuses. And, you know, there are times where I would go to the gym and I literally would be like, oh, you know what? I forgot my headphones. I can't work out today. And I would drive home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're, I was like right there. What the heck? There is this thing, this tension. There's a part of me that knows for me to go through the discomfort of going through a workout will be good for me, will bring me growth. But there's another part of me, a part that we call the flesh, that is conspiring against that part that knows the good and says, you know what, let's just be comfortable. Let's just do the thing that you want to, which will be fun. Nice, easy, right? And that oftentimes is the enemy of the good. Even while you're working out, like that no pain, no gain. You know, you see that picture of somebody just doubled over, you know, because they're in pain, right? Their workout was causing them pain. And this is one of the things that I learned. If you want to, uh, to have results from your workout, it must be strenuous. What does that mean? Strenuous means it makes you sweat. Strenuous means it pushes you to your limit. If your workout, I don't know, I've been to the gym and I see some people who like, you know, they're like, not that there's anything wrong with like watching your tablet while you're doing it, but they're doing it and like, like they're like on an exercise bike and they're barely moving, right? It's just like, I'm kind of like, what's the point, you know? Or, or, or just like, I don't know, if your workout does not cause you to sweat, which means that there was no strain. There was no point where you were uncomfortable, right? Then you will not get any results from that. I mean, to just think about, like, what is lifting weights? It is ripping and tearing your tendons so that they can regrow stronger. That your body's like, oh my gosh, that was so hard. You know, we better bulk ourselves up so the next time we can lift that weight easier, right? No pain, no gain. Discomfort is necessary for growth. But brothers and sisters, I just want to confess to you this morning as we talk about this. I also, every day, fight that battle between knowing the good that oftentimes will be uncomfortable and wonderful warm blankets and just my comfy bed and just turning on a TV show where I can just passively just let someone else entertain me. It's so comfortable. Not that that is all bad, but a lot of those things control us. And we'd be talking about that. So friends, uh, James's uh, letter in many ways will be talking about this life experience that we all go through, trials, Discomfort. So let's dive right in. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. What the dispersion is, is uh, the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel had, uh, you know, moved all over the world. They're everywhere. 
right? And so there are some letters that are addressed to a specific city, a specific church, maybe a specific region, but James is not one of them. James is writing this book for everyone. And you'll see very quickly, he starts talking about trials and temptations and difficulties in life. And in other words, friends, that is something that's applicable to everyone. There is no one that can say, I've never had a trial in life. I've never had a difficulty. We all go through it. And so this is a common experience, uh, something that James wants to address. So he starts out verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. Now, there's a few things there, friends. The word count, count it all, means there's more than one. Right? If you're counting something, I don't have to count one. It's just like, if I wanted to count the number of people and it was just Kevin, I wouldn't be like one. I would just be like Kevin, right? Counting means there's more than one. Count it all. So in other words, James is saying, oh, there's a trial. There's a trial. There's a trial. Another trial. Another trial. Another trial. Another trial. There are many in life, right? But count all of them. Joy. Mm. You are crazy, James. What are you talking about? This is so different than what many of us think. But that's why I wanted to kind of preface this with talking about the no pain, no gain thing. Right? If discomfort and stress in a very physical way can lead to good things, physical gains in your body, right? Or the hardships in life can teach you the kind of perseverance that can lead to later success in life, then doesn't it also follow that discomfort and stress and trials and difficulty can lead to spiritual growth, right? Doesn't it also follow in that way? Therefore, James is saying all of those things you should rejoice. Very few of us do. We look at trials and we're like, no, no. Oftentimes, and we'll get into this in a moment, we blame God. We're like, God, I thought you loved me. How dare you let me suffer? Mm. Why, God, why? And for some of us, this is me. One trial, I'm like, okay, I can endure. God, mm, I will trust in you. Two trials, I'm like, oh, it's getting a little heavy here. Three trials, and I'm like, there is no God. Or, God, you hate me. How could you do this? How could you put a third trial in my life? But count. One, two, three, four. Count it all joy. When you meet trials of various kinds, there's all kinds of trials, friends. One of the things we do in life is we compare trials. And we use this as a way of lifting ourselves up and putting other people down. Oh, you're complaining about that? Like, seriously, grow up. And friends, this is the thing. Everyone's trial is different. There are trials of various kinds, right? What is a trial for you may not be a trial for someone else. But the common thing we all have is that there are all trials, right? For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So this is uh, the, the title of the message today, Steadfast. 
Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let's key in on that work steadfastness. So this is the key here. You know that the testing of your faith, the trials that you face, produces steadfastness. What is that? There, some of you might have a different Bible translation. Anyone read the NIV? Did you see what it says? There, I think the NIV says endurance or perseverance, one of those, right? Um, so uh, I, I want to, we don't often do the Greek, but this I think is useful, okay? So we're going to go and look at the Greek here. Ne- next slide, please. Okay, so the Greek word is hupomone, hupomone. Right? And what it properly means, so it gets translated as endurance, as perseverance, as steadfastness, but the actual literal meaning of it is to remain under something. Remain under something. So steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain or endure under the challenges he allots in life. Okay, so if you're enduring, another word is kind of patience, right? That you are staying there. You're being steadfast and you're saying, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay here, right? This again, friends, is a little radical for us. How many of us would be okay with staying under that, that, that discomfort, that trial in life? But that's exactly What James is saying is going to make you perfect if you are to stay under that. Now, friends, I'm going to say some things that might be hard for us to hear. And remember, later in this, it talks about wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So I'm going to say some things that must be taken with wisdom, must be discerning, okay? Because there are some situations where maybe it isn't good for you to stay under that forever, right? I'm not saying just be a glutton for punishment. I'm not saying just suffer for suffering's sake. I remember once uh, when I went to Cambodia and uh, I went with my, with my buddy from seminary and I met all these missionaries. This is one Korean missionary. She was so cheerful. She was smiling and she said something to me in Korean. She, she said, uh, something Korean. I don't know how to say it, right? And she said it with this big smile, and she was like, "Oh, you know, like God bless you, right?" And then she went away, and and uh, my buddy, who was my roommate in seminary, he was laughing, and and I was like, well, "What did she say?" And he was like, "She said, make sure that he suffers." It's like, what kind of messed up missionary are you, right? But she's like, that's the missionary experience. You have to suffer. Is that what we're doing? Just make sure you suffer because suffering is good for you. Well, friends, this is my kind of contention. You don't really need to seek out suffering because suffering will find you. This is the way the world is. Hardship will find you. But when it finds you, how are you going to deal with that? There is some suffering that we are meant to stay under and others that maybe we need to flee a little bit. But so some of the things I'm going to talk about is just general observations. I'm not specifically speaking to you unless the Holy Spirit tells, tells you that, that, that I am, okay? But this is a generation 
where we find that almost everyone, it's something like 90% of people in their job say, you know what, I'm I'm not going to stay here more than five years, right? And most of us, we have this this thinking, like wherever I'm in, this is just temporary, right? And, and, you know, there, there might be good reasons for that. I want to advance from where I'm at. But also, I think it gives us an easy out. I think for many of us, when we are in our jobs, and it gets difficult, we think, well, I can just leave. Just leave, just like that. Our churches, right? We have this thing that, that we talk about in churches. We call it church hopping. What does that mean? It's like you're a frog. Like, okay, I go to this church. You know, I'm going to the first Korean church. Ah, I don't like the first Korean church. Those people are, ah, they're so petty. They gossip. I don't, and then let's go to the second church, right? This is the second Korean church of Ann Arbor, right? And you go there for a little bit. Ah, you know, this pastor is kind of boring. Let's go to the third church, Korean church of Ann Arbor, right? Ah, you know what? These leaders, ah, they're a little shallow. Ah, let's go to the fourth church, right? And we just kind of hop around. And sometimes it's when it gets uncomfortable, the discomfort. We run. That's not steadfastness. Just by definition. Steadfastness is to remain under something. But what we have learned in life is to just run when things get difficult. Mm, you know what? That friend's getting on my nerve. New friends, right? Let's get some new friends. Ah, oh, this city's getting old. I don't like this city. It's boring. It's, it's uncomfortable. Let's go to a new, more exciting city, right? And that's what a lot of us have learned. Again, friends, I want to be very, very clear. And so I'm saying it for a second time. I'm not telling you. If you have the most vindictive sadistic boss in the history of the world. I'm not telling you that God is mandating that you stay, okay? Use wisdom. Pray about it, okay? There may be many legit reasons for you to leave. But this is the thing. We already said it. Trials are everywhere. They're everywhere. So if you leave the first Korean church of whatever, (laughs) and you go to the second church of whatever, You think that that church is going to be perfect without problems? Oftentimes you find this, right? We have this saying, the grass isn't greener. You're going to find that that place also has problems. That workplace also has petty people. And if we don't learn to endure through times of trial and suffering, then you're always going to be living a life half-formed, right? I say this sometimes, and, and I don't mean to, I, I know sometimes, like, like I guess technically I'm like Generation X, you know, but I was like kind of like late Generation X. And then there's the millennials, and you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, kids these days, or the millennials, you're so weak, and all this stuff. I don't want to be one of those people, friends. But I, I do think that this is also affecting me, is that the world we live in is that we don't know how to be bored anymore. Right? Any amount of discomfort, we find something to distract. I know we've talked about this before, but it's a very important thing for us to recognize that for us to just be in a moment and be comfortable in this moment, not comfortable because you have everything you need, but to have enough in this moment. Enough of what? What is the staying under? Is this just your own personal growth? Is that what James is talking about? Endure, be steadfast, persevere, and just be tough. Mm -mm. 
All of this means that we are being, we are remaining under that trial with God, not by yourself, right? So what does it say in Matthew 11? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, right? Now that sounds like comfort, right? Hey, lay your burdens down. No more burdens, yes! But then it has this very curious thing. It says, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? A yoke is a wooden bar that gets put around the neck of of an animal, and you get connected to another animal. And so Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. In other words, I will be yoked with you, for my burden is easy, and my yoke is light. Right? And so the idea is that as we go through life, as we go through the difficulties, you have Jesus right here with you, connected to you, helping you to endure all these things. This message is not, hey, just suck it up and learn to endure on your own. This message is learn to be here in the moment, in the present, in the trial, because Jesus is here with you in the trial. When we run or distract and go different ways, and we run from those moments, we will never learn that wonderful, beautiful truth that comes from Psalm 23, right? Like, just look at what it says here. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one taking care of me. So, I lack nothing. Right? That's the Psalm 23 life. When the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. So in other words, as you learn to stay under the trial with God, you will learn the sufficiency of God. Right? As you're going through that, it's helpful to cry out to God. God, help me. Be with me. Yes, I'm going to stay here. If you call me, if you ask me to. But Lord, I know that I'm not alone. And so um, it says, let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the winds. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. Friends, if God is right here with you, you can ask him for things. You can ask him for wisdom. You can ask him for direction. But this is the thing. To be yoked with God is a way of saying, God, I am trusting you with my life. I am trusting you that you are going to be the one who helps carry the load in life. Right? God is not just um, a consultant or a, a, a vendor who comes every now and then to just fix your life when you need it. He wants to be there connected to your life. And so if we are doubting or if, if we're like, ah, you know, God, sometimes I want things from you, sometimes I don't, then we can't really expect God to be the one to deliver these things, right? We don't really want God. We don't really want a life with God. We want a genie. And God will be no genie, right? And so being yoked with God Uh, must mean that we have to learn how to trust him, not just with some concerns of life, but with your whole life. And it says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. 
For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So again, friends, if you are trusting in your goods, in your stuff, to be comfortable in life, it is an illusion. It's not something that will last. And so when, when the rich person gets humiliated, to not think, oh man, you know, that's the worst thing possible. But there is something very important for us to, to recognize in that. That humility. That the, the, the temporary nature of all those goods. Right? And when you learn that, friends, one thing is those goods will not have hold on you anymore. Right? You don't have to live for those goods. It's not the be all end all. But another thing too is you can give them away. Right? When you know just how temporary it is, like, hey, you know what? If I hold on to this thing, you know, it's just going to go bad, right? Um, I think like, like uh, this was a couple months ago. Uh, my wife and some of the other uh, women in LGM, they went to uh, this, this grocery store where they had these like wonderful oranges, these, these, what were they called? Miniola oranges? They're so juicy. Man, they, these are like the best oranges. It's like a hybrid between an orange and a clementine. That's not important. Sorry. <laughs> but the thing was, they, they bought these things in bulk. And they had so many oranges that they just had to give them away. Right? And this is the way it is with the blessings in life. One of the things that we haven't learned, what is the point of having all these blessings so I can be insulated, so I can be comfortable No, those things won't last. But if I receive a lot, if I'm blessed with much, man, keep giving it away, right? Keep giving it away. Use that blessing, you know, because it's, it's not really yours to begin with. It is on loan from God. And then it goes back to, Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so I wanted to show you, uh, there's different crowns uh, in biblical times. So one crown, uh, can you see on the left? uh, It's a crown made out of what? Flowers, right? Um, what, what, what do you think uh, this is an occasion for, if you had to guess? It's a wedding, yes. And, and in biblical times, uh, people would have a crown of flowers for weddings and feasts. It would be a symbol of joy, right? So again, c- count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you go uh, under trial. Um, there's another type of crown that would have been a crown of laurels, laurel leaves. And this would have been for uh, people competing in games, sports, right? Olympics, that, that kind of thing. And they would receive a crown for the victor. So a crown can also be a symbol of victory. And then the last kind of crown is the, the, the one that we know the best, is for royalty, right? That you are, um, well, a king or a prince. Now, we only have one king, right? God is our king. Jesus is our king, right? So what does that, who does that make us? We are princes and princesses, right? We are sons and daughters of the Most High. Brothers and sisters, if you are a prince or a princess, what is that like? 
when you go through life, isn't there this, this sense of, of, you know, it's going to be okay. My dad is the king, and he's going to take care of me. Do you think a prince or princess worries about scarcity? Right? You go through life, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't have enough. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's what a lot of our trials are nowadays. It's about scarcity. Right? Oh, man, we don't have enough money. How are we going to make ends meet? You know, am I going to get into that college I want to? They're only accepting so many people. Princes and princesses don't worry about scarcity, right? They're like, ah, it's going to be okay. My dad is rich. <laughs> My dad is powerful. It's going to be okay. As you go under through trials, you will learn the sufficiency of God. You cannot see God, and I know that, right? You can't see God's bank account, right? You don't have these physical signs of the richness of God. But as you go through life yoked to God, you will see his provision. You will find that he is enough, that you can endure those trials. And when you do, you receive the crown of life. Romans 10.10, I have come to give you life abundant to the full. This is what God wants for us. And so those trials, those things, friends, these are all ultimately good things. Now, there is this part of, you know, I was kind of joking around when I get my third trial. I'm like, oh, my gosh, God, you're not good. God, you don't love me. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. The word for trial and temptation is the same word. Um, But when we talk about uh, these temptations or the trials, we might be tempted to be like, God, how could you do this to me? You know, I thought you loved me. And this is the thing, friends. Trials depend on the person. This is why uh, no temptation or trial actually comes from God. Because they're different for every person, right? So think, think of it this way. Um, you know, uh, let's say that um, something is difficult for you. You know, maybe uh, like, like for a baby, you know, to lift this cell phone for a little tiny baby would be a trial. It would be very difficult. You know, you, you gave it to an infant and it would just, just fall down, right? And they would not be able to pick it up. For me, this is not a trial, right? You know, for me, uh, picking up a 50-pound uh, weight, that's a trial, right? I, I can't do that on my own, right? Not easily. Maybe there's some of you in this room, 50-pound weight is not a trial. You're like, oh, Pastor Steve, this is easy, <laughs> you, know? you know? Work out some more, you know? And as you get stronger, some things are not trials anymore for you. There's a lot of things in life that are that way, you know? Um, is, is there anyone here... Who does not like fruits? Anyone do- doesn't like fruits? What about like an Asian pear? Anyone not like an Asian pear? Strawberries? Yeah? 
All right, this might be difficult. <laughs> Let's pretend, okay, that there's someone that they're like, oh, Asian pears, those are nasty. Those, those taste like walnuts. Like, ah, this tastes weird, you know? Um, that's what my wife thinks. She, she thinks they taste like walnuts. But to me, Asian pears are wonderful. If you were to slice open an Asian pear, I would look at that and my mouth would start to water. That would be a temptation. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so tempted to eat that. Now, maybe... I, my wife actually does like Asian pears, but there might be, let's pretend like my wife does not like them. You know, and for her, that's not a trial. That's not a temptation. It's different per person based on what? Based on what is already within you. Based on your desires that are within you. Right? And so in that way, friends, when those things come in life, it's just a part of life. Right? And to think like, you know, God, you're doing this to me. No, friends, the reason why that's difficult for you is because of what is within you already, right? And so there will be some things in life that are a huge pain to you, that are very uncomfortable. Maybe waiting in traffic is one for you. Um, for me, that would drive me bonkers. Uh, I went down to the Washington, D.C. area. I used to live there uh, for seminary, but I had been gone for a few years, and I went back to speak at a conference for pastors and seminarians. And we were going to drive down from Washington, D.C. to Annandale, which is normally about a 25-minute drive. Um, but we were in rush hour traffic, and it took us an hour and 20 minutes, so almost a full hour longer. Right, and as we're driving down there, I found myself just getting really antsy. I was like, like, shit. Like, no, like I wouldn't just be like that kid. Like, are we there yet? Are we there? Well, I'm like, not even fun. Like, right? But I, I'm like seriously just squirming in my seat, and I look over at these other young pastors and seminarians who have lived in these, and they've gone through rush hour traffic every day. Wasn't it fun? They didn't learn that expectation. Well, that's just how long it takes. Yeah, we throw in Russia, of course, there are many things like that in life that we need to learn from God. We can stand those things. And He is sufficient in that. It doesn't mean you can't complain. It doesn't mean that, that you can't let God know that it's uncomfortable. Now, when I say complain, I think that there's a complaint that's kind of running in the morning. No, I don't do this. You just cry. Like, no, no. But there's a way where you can be like, God, you know what? This is hard. Man, this, this traffic is so low. But when you're doing that, it's prayer. It's confession. That's a way of being involved in God. It's like, God, it's right here. You don't know, live here. I'm in the of all of this. Yeah, I'm really struggling with how mean my coworkers. I'm really struggling with just how much work I seem to get from this boss that other people don't see. That is something we need to learn. I just want to share with you friends. Um, we'll lay out. Let's, let's go back. Uh, let's finish this passage. Do not be deceived by the brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, and with whom there is no variation or shadow to the chair. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so, 
Everything that we have in life can be good. We can be good. Even the difficult things. God can do that. And the idea of first fruits, that we can be a kind of first fruits of all the scriptures. First fruits was the first offering which you gave to God. When you had a problem, you gave your offering right away to God. And so, uh, what James is saying is that for the disciples of Jesus Christ, that as they endure these trials, their sacrifice, that their life would be a first fruits for this world. They're being kind of sacrificed in this world, but in a way, modeling for other people to follow in this life of goodness and sufficiency. Friends, um, just a, a, a few years back, uh, I was uh, working in two churches, and there was a time in my life where, man, I did not like it. It was really uncomfortable. Uh, one of my churches uh, was, well, LGM was growing at the time. But that created challenges, right? And, and I was working at two churches at the same time. So I didn't have as much time for LGM. And then the other church I was serving at was not like literally. Uh, we were at funerals all the time. My last year there, there was one month where we had five funerals in one month. It was wonderful. And it was one of these things where, uh, as it kind of comfortable, um, there are times where I asked God, God, I, I want to leave. And I actually tried to leave. Um, I asked my boss, this superintendent, can you remove me? Bring me to another church. And every single time I got to Or there would be times in prayer where I really felt like God was telling me, you know what, Steve? You need to say it. I remember. I, 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 was, I was like crying and complaining. And I was like, God, why am I the one who always has to say it? Like, I just feel like everyone else in life, like, whenever things get difficult, they just get to go. They just get to do whatever they want. Why do I have to say it? What I could be about this, friends, at that time. One thing was, one of the most difficult years in ministry for me was the year, believe it or not, when I went from two churches to one church. I stopped doing that other church, St. Matthews, and came back to Elgin Because for me, I thought, oh man, it's going to be so much better. That's all I wanted. Well, I just wanted to do one church. If I could just do one church, then everything would get better. Guess what, friends? It is. It didn't. I got really frustrated in the class. So I'm like, I thought this was supposed to make it all better. And the thing that I learned in that year was there was no circumstance. There was no magical green grass on the other side where I could have it. And I really was able to say to the Lord, Lord, wherever you send me, whatever you want me to do, if you want me to spend the rest of my life at Algeria Council, and I had to learn that God can't be enough right now in this moment. So this is my question for you. We're just going to throw out that picture of a cute little ram. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He needs me my down in green pastures. He leads me besides the waters. He restores my soul. He is enough. I don't need to. I don't I, I, I need anything. Because I have no. This is my question. Right now, he's got enough for us. 
He will really believe and know that right now you have everything you do. Everything you need. All the joy, all the love, all the grace that God can give you, you can have right now. Most of us, we think, well, I get that job. If I make some money, if I move out of the house, if I get those friends, if I get a boyfriend or girlfriend, if I get a wife, if I get kids, whatever it is, there's something over the rainbow. There's something over on the other side of the street that we're looking at. We're like, that will be it. But this is the world. Once you get there, yeah, it'll be good for a little bit. But sooner or later, you'll start getting restless and uncomfortable again. You're going to need something else. Can God be enough for you now? In the trial, in the difficult, because if you can, then you will be perfect. Right? 